This is Make It Count. I'm Elinka, your host, and I hope you will enjoy this. Paris. 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 Paris.
People keep asking me the same interesting questions. Of course, different people, but the question is the same over and over again. How do I write books? What is my technique? How long does it take for a book to be written? And so I thought, why don't I put this on my podcast? Maybe more people will get the answers that they need in order to start writing a book and finish it. <laughs> That's the key word, finish the book. I support and endorse anyone who wants to write a book because I think that's very important to help each other, to keep reading, to keep informing ourselves and to leave something behind for others to be able to read and, well, know how it was like to be alive in 2019. So, yeah, let's talk about books. So, first of all, my first book came to life in 2008. It was a period of time where I was struggling to find my way. I was in a place where I had finished my first master's degree and was applying for a scholarship from the French government for my second master's degree and I was waiting for them to, to give me an answer, do. <laughs> and so before I received the scholarship from the French government for my second master's degree, I was waiting. I was in a moment where I was hanging by a thread waiting for an answer to know what will I do with the rest of my life, or at least what will I do with the next year. And, you know, when you sit and wait for answers, sometimes answers come under the form of inspiration. Other times you just lament the fact that there's nothing going on in your life. But for me, it was a burst of inspiration. So I started writing a book and I wrote and wrote and wrote until something coagulated. And it was freeing, it was enjoyable, it was wonderful. It was a very, very exciting time in my life. It was the beginning of my reawakening if we want to put labels to what was happening. And I just started writing and when I finished, I showed my manuscript to a friend and said, look, I've written a story. I don't know if you'll like it. I don't know how much time it will take for you to read it because I have no clue if it's good or if it's worth anything. I was very shy and very modest as well, so I didn't have any kind of claims on being, you know, a writer or anything like that. I just 
wrote a story. And a couple of nights later, because my friend was working and could not read all day, he called me and said, you know what, your book is brilliant. And I was taken aback by that because I would have thought that he would say, oh, it's nice, I enjoyed it, maybe, but brilliant. So I was very, very happy about it and said, so do you think that somebody else would, would enjoy it, would like to read it? And he said, yeah, of course, definitely, you should publish it. So, of course, by that time, I um, was into it. I said, okay, let's go, let's do this. And I realized soon enough that all it took is to all it took was to just, you know, self-publish, find a place where you can put your words out and it doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be an acclaimed publishing house, it doesn't have to be um, something that will self-promote through magical techniques of PR and so on. So I said, you know, for me it's good enough, it's good enough, I want to get this book out. So I went for... Um, all the practical steps that I had to to go through. Um, find uh, find a way to uh, obtain ISBN codes for the book, and I got a list from the authority in France that would eventually um, give me the ISBNs and. Uh, allow me to uh, to make it more official from the National French Library. And so I went uh, with a company, a publishing house that was giving me all all the reins, full reins on how it was done. So I chose the format. I created a cover, I did all the work, but it was fun because I could put my picture, whatever picture I wished to put on um, the cover of the book, I could name my book however I wanted, I could make um, the decisions about the format. It was a very, very exciting time, as I said. It was a small book that had small chapters that could be read anywhere, at any time. Uh, you can stop for a second and take a, a breath or start doing whatever you need to do and go back to the book and you don't feel like you were interrupted from something major because it was well balanced, the story was well balanced and it had a certain rhythm that allowed you to to read it whenever and however you want it. it. It was kind of revolutionary in a way because until that time I hadn't read any kind of of free books 
the books that were written and published as they were without any kind of interruptions and cuts and changes from editors and publishing houses because generally that's what they do when you get published by a big publishing house they will want to tweak your story until it gets in a certain shape and form and that was unacceptable for me because I wanted the story to be as it was as it came out natural organic even with with mistakes and even if I was gauche at some point, um, I wanted to be authentic. So it was the best solution that I could find uh, for my book. And I kept publishing there because I had full reins on everything. It was not about control. It was about me um, wishing to create a new type of literature, me trying to express myself in, in an authentic way. I wanted the book to be organic and to be something that people will find uh, relatable and enjoyable and just go with the flow instead of um, having to go back over and over again over the story and ask myself what did I mean by that when I said that on I don't know which chapter and so on so it was great it was published it was uh, sold to people who wanted to read my story I didn't do any kind of promotion I didn't run after people to lobby my book or anything it was there it is still there it can still be bought it can still be read and each story has its time and that was how i marked that period i was here i did that it was great. Moving on. J'avoue, j'en ai bavé pas vous, mon amour. Avant d'avoir eu vent de vous, mon amour. Ne vous déplaise en dansant la javanaise. Votre avis qu'avons-nous vu de l'amour De vous à moi vous m'avez eu mon amour Ne vous déplaise en dansant la javanaise Nous nous aimions le temps d'une chance J'avais envie de voir en vous cette 
So in 2008, in spring, right about this time, I published, I wrote and published, mind you, because it took, I don't know, two months to write it, to make the corrections, to find the cover and everything and publish it. So around two months, in two months, I just dropped the mic <laughs> and this is how my life running late this is the title of my book known in french as ma vie en retard uh, that book was born a star was born <laughs> so it was incredible i was so happy of course of course, I wouldn't lie to you. At that time, I was just out of college, of my master's degree. I was trying to find my way. It was hard to find a job that was suitable to my education because it's not easy to find a good job that is suited to your education when your education level is so high. Generally, you get to go to jobs for which you are overskilled. And I had been there, done that, and I wanted to, to work in a place that was, you know, suited to my education because I hadn't gone to college and to um, the master's just to sit on those diplomas. Of course, history would show me otherwise because I got that instruction, I got that knowledge that I had to receive in order to be able to use it in so many other different ways. But at that time, I was still dreaming about diplomacy and cultural diplomacy, promoting um, the cultural image of my country, it was an aspiration. I didn't know how hard or how easy it would be, but I did not expect to have a total shift in my professional life. I didn't expect what was to happen later on. 
So at that time I was just waiting for my scholarship and it came through. I got into the university of my choice, my first choice. I was so blessed and I went to France. But before that, I had written a second book. Oh boy. Yes, I have. And I had published it as well. Or did I? Let me remember. Voilà combien de jours, voilà combien de nuits, voilà combien de temps que tu es reparti. Tu m'as dit cette fois, c'est le dernier voyage pour nos cœurs déchirés. C'est le dernier naufrage au printemps, tu verras, je serai de retour. Le printemps, c'est joli pour se parler d'amour. Nous irons voir ensemble les jardins refleuris et déambulerons dans les rues de Paris. I think that I waited until September, around about September, to publish my second book. And it was called Simply Love. Aimer tout simplement. And 
it was just as fluid, just as beautiful as the first one. Even more so because it was deeper. It still had, like every other book, some philosophical questions. Some kind of romanticized meditation on life, relationships, love, friendships, family and friends, yeah. It was another story that came to me just like that. You gotta have the talent, you gotta have the inspiration, and you gotta have the education for that. I know it sounds very flower power as I say it right now because it feels like that. But I have spent years perfecting my French language since I was three years old. It was my mother tongue by default <laughs> because that's the language that I used to um, learn how to write and to read. The first language that I used for, for intellectual purposes. And I've spent years reading French literature from the oldest books to the newest. I was imbibed with French culture. I was imbibed with um, the knowledge that this old continent had something special in regards to culture, to arts, to history. There's something very, very special and unique about this continent. And I had no clue that people that were not from our continent ignored completely what our continent is about. I thought that they would know at least what we know about their continents. I guess me going to France was just a new way to open up to new realities, to expand. And this is why traveling is something that everybody should do at a certain point in time. It doesn't matter if you start young or you just retire and start visiting. Because no matter at what age, at what time in your life you start traveling, it's, it's never too late. You still imbibe yourself with cultures, you open your mind, you open your heart, you open your perspectives, you break the walls of the limits that the society in which you have been living have built around you. You are breaking the limits, you are breaking the walls. You say, you know what, I want to experience something else. Once you have experienced, once you have tasted another culture that is completely different from yours, once you have adjusted to exp 
experiencing new cultures, you're not the same anymore. You can go back to your homeland, you can go back to your house or apartment, but you will never be the same again. You will be more whole, more complete. You will feel bigger, brighter. You will feel more of a superhero and less like an ordinary person because you would have imbibed yourself with so much more human experiences. It's absolutely fascinating for me and it was a great journey. All my experiences related to France have taught me a great deal. And France was, you know, the logic, organic next step. And of course, other countries that I have visited have just added up to the magic of opening up to new cultures, new ways of thinking. You cannot approach people who have been uh, brought up in uh, another society um, and have an impact on them if you don't speak their language, if you don't address them with the knowledge of who they are and of the knowledge of their culture and what they are all about. You can, you know, you can go and say, hi, I'm George, and people say, hi, I'm Francois, and hi, I'm Matteo, and hi, I'm Juan, but if you know their culture and their society better, if you have been there already and you have tasted all the flavors in the house, you have deeper exchanges and you can tell your story uh, in a way that they can understand it and that they can relate to. So it's very important to do this traveling and getting out of of your little box wherever you are if you still can if you don't have a major disability or if you don't have anything that can stop you um, health-wise or um, if you don't have people depending on you in a way or another because there are some bumps in the road that I could understand, of course, everybody could understand that we cannot always do whatever we want at the moment that we want it. But you can keep this idea juicing, you know, you can keep it warm. And when it's the time to jump, you jump and jump towards traveling because that would be amazing, an amazing experience for you, an amazing experience for others because you bring in your culture to the mix and that's also amazing for the people who cannot travel from the other side. So yeah, it's very, very important that you 
don't forget about this type of experience. Don't forget about walking the roads, the foreign strange roads of other countries. When you have walked the walk and you have talked the talk and you have expressed yourself and communicated with others, things are so much more substantial. And when you write books, you need that substance. So one thing, you have to be original. The second thing, you have to be organic, natural, true to yourself and your beliefs at that time. You have to express yourself as honestly, as deeply as you can in order to touch others, in order for them to relate to you. Because even if people don't confess their pains and their hurts, they all have felt those pains and those hurts intermingled with the times of laughter and joy. So it's very important to be authentic. And it's also very important to be well-rounded. It's important to be grounded, but it's also important to be well-rounded, to imbibe yourself with flavors from this country and this country and that person and the other person and just embrace humanity as much as you can. Because until you do that, your writings will be, will be superficial. Even if it's, you know, a book about fiction. Generally speaking, all the books that have been written so far, that I know of, have been inspired somehow by humankind. They may be reflections of our imagination, but they all start from a writer that is human. So everything starts with a human and their experience of life. No matter what kind of experiences he has had in the past, their experience is printed there somewhere. You can find their fingerprints in the book. You can find their soul prints in the book. You can find their emotions, their hang-ups, their um, joys, the things that make them feel ecstasy, the things that make them feel vulnerable. All range of emotions are in there, in their words, in their phrases, in their paradigms, in their concepts, their philosophy of, of life. Every character has a little bit of them within. Even if on the surface level the characters are just, I don't know, another civilization from another planet where robots or whatever, they still have something humane inside because they were created by a human and they were inspired by humans. So no matter, 
no matter what you write about, there is still a big, big part of you inside each and every book. And you always, always leave a part of your soul on those pages. So I never took writing lightly. I never took writing as some frivolous thing that I would do just to waste time. The antidote to boredom. It was never the case for me. I am very, very reverent towards literature. And I am very, very reverent towards writers because their work is not easy. It takes a lot. And we'll talk about that next. Jamais. À 
You know, writing a book takes a lot of passion. Not a passion for a certain person, mind you, because that could happen. You can write a book because you are so in love that you are desperate to reach out and grab that person's attention. Hey, it happened to me. My third book was all about that. And it was more of, you know, the nostalgia of having a major crush when I was 17 and until I discovered um, the answers to my questions, there was a book. And it was talking about how to know to lose yourself before, uh, before finding yourself again. It was called uh, Savoir se perdre avant de se retrouver. So basically, yes, to know how to lose yourself before finding yourself again. It was a major experience in writing it. It was a continuous surprise and the beginning of manifesting through writing I guess that's another story <laughs> maybe I'll tell you sometime how the story ended but yeah I wrote a book because I had fond memories about a boy and I thought that maybe if I launched the um, bottle to the sea, somehow I will find him again among the seven dot six million, a uh, billion, sorry, 7.6 billion people in the world. Because I had no address, he could have been anywhere. So yeah, it was a bottle launched at the sea. And I wrote a book. And let me just say that it took two years to manifest. Because I really, really wanted to know what he became. 
And the beauty of it was not in finding the person. It was beautiful. I got my um, ducks in a row <laughs> and got closure. But it was about it was about knowing that I can manifest something by writing, being passionate enough to write a story, to write a book about a love story. And what was funny is that not only that I have found him, but also that parts of what I had imagined about him, about his life, were true. So I was shocked and surprised and ecstatic to learn something new about myself in the process. So now I was not only a writer, but I was a manifesting writer, the one that would put all the love, all the passion, all the knowledge, all the heart and soul into the process. And what do you know? Gets an answer from the universe. That was actually majorly cool. It was stupendous. And I don't regret any second of it. Because out of this came a book. Out of this came a lot of readers that were extraordinarily happy uh, to read a story that was different from others. From this came the encounter and closure and the ducks in the row and a learning experience about humanity in itself and how people change and how people stay the same and how people are here to stay for a season or are here to come into our lives for a reason. There is all of that in the story and in the story that allowed me to create the story so you have to know people you actually have to know people you have to go places and see people and know people before shutting the doors and sitting to your desk and starting writing you actually have to know people and not just the people that you have met around you, but also people from other countries and not just, oh, hey, I know Majid or I know Rashid or I know Nima or I know Juan and I know Gaetano and I know Francois. It's about really sitting at the table with those people, really breaking bread with them, really having a glass of, of wine or a cup of coffee or whatever, just go with the flow and just express yourself and have a laugh and have a cry and have a meltdown and laugh out loud and 
do all those things and hug each other before you part ways. That's the experience that you, you need to have in order to, to be complete enough in order to, to write a good book. Because if you don't have that experience, if you never had that experience, your book will be fluff. And who has time for fluff? Oh, yeah, I have time for fluff because, hey, I'm sitting in the sun. And, hey, I'm enjoying my, I don't know, my cocktail. And I'm just like, oh, let's have a book in our hands to show off. No, but seriously, if you really want to get moved by a book, you have to find something that is not fluffed, not made out of superficial scraps. If you really want to get something out of that experience, because if not, you can, yeah, you can read a story about the guy meeting a girl and doing this and doing that and the book ends and that's it. Or, I don't know, anything else. I'm all about human feelings. I'm all about expressing the emotions, all for digging inside and pulling those emotions to the surface, because by pushing them to the surface, they will see the light and people will recognize themselves in those emotions and they will say, hi, look at that, I feel that too. And now I feel more liberated to express myself and communicate better with others. Because if that person wrote it in a book and if that person said it out loud on stage and in front of the cameras and on the radio, that means that I can do the same in front of my family and friends. So get inspired to inspire others to create some kind of release of what they were hiding within and that's what I did I just poured my soul into the book and went for it and it went with the next book to um, the book fair in Paris it was sold like that of course the people who uh, took my books in didn't believe that my books will sell because nobody knew me and I said no matter I'm giving you a few books and if you sell them it's okay if you don't sell them that's okay whatever they had sold all the books in the first day or in the first two days the fair didn't end and the books were sold. Now that's it. What can you do? People are people. I'm not holding a grudge, but I was proud and happy, very happy, very content that some other people were called to put their hands on my books and say, yeah, let me have a look. Oh, wow. This story is kind of interesting. Oh, let's take a look. I'm going to buy the book. And yeah, they were sold like warm bread out of the oven. So 
that's what happens. You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith, faith, faith. You gotta have faith. So, yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing times. I had amazing experience with amazing people and with amazing books and literature. So, yeah. That's what happens when you do it for the right reasons. Je peux dire quand même 
my fourth book called My One and Only Regret, Un Seul et Unique Regret, took a little more time and I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote until one day I found a phrase I wrote that phrase I placed it on the last page and said this is it I want this book to end with this phrase and I will stop right here I poured a lot of me into the experience and it's because I have been through so so many things before I've written it this book is more complex it's a little bit larger it's a little bit more philosophical it makes you take in all the um, all the experience of a lifetime a mature deep experience of a lifetime and I guess I was able to write that book because I'm an old soul I have been through that experience maybe or similar experiences over and over again through lifetimes I truly believe in reincarnation and I think that this book has revealed again something new about me. I think that writing books also teaches you things that you didn't acknowledge about yourself. So I have always said, I have always had this motto, no regret. And by going through a lot of things, I realized that we have at least one regret. So if you have only one regret, that's cool. If you have more regrets, then you haven't really lived your life as you should have. So basically, if you have regrets, it's either because you haven't lived your life to the fullest or you haven't made peace with yourself that some things were not meant for you to experience in this lifetime. Either way, something went wrong and you have to own it. When you arrive to owning your shift... <laughs> When you own your changes, the ways, the ins and outs of your life, and you come to be at peace with everything, you don't have regrets anymore. You find some, some kind of inner peace that allows you to close your eyes and take your last breath without feeling like you have missed on something major. So this book is about 
one true love that was meant to be discreet, silenced, felt deeply, but also released. Sometimes when you love someone, you have to set them free. And that's all that I'm going to tell you about this story, because, hey, there are other podcasts to do, and there are many more stories to be told.
then again, I switched to English for a collection of poems that came to me just like that. So when you, <laughs> when you ask me how long does it take to write a book, I don't know, it depends. You can write something in a few nights, a few sleepless nights, if you're passionate about it and you have the writer's fever. If you don't have the writer's fever at some point in your life, I don't think that you're a writer. You're meant to do something else. It doesn't work. So if you have the writer's fever, you can you can finish a book in no time. You never know how it was written, when it was written, where the information came from. You were just inspired and you chose to be in the momentum, ride the wave and just grab with both, both hands everything that was thrown at you inspiration-wise and put it on, on paper. And when something like that happens, it's like um, a summer storm when psh, it rains on you from everywhere and you just have to grab grab, grab, grab the inspiration and get soaked to the bone and pour it on the paper. And then afterwards, beautiful, magical things grow out of it. It's like nature blooming, blooming, blooming all over your pages. And don't ask yourself, what happened? It just is. This is how it works. This is how it's done. So if you are spending inordinate amounts of time researching and pushing papers around and forcing yourself to spend at least one hour in front of a blank page, nah, <laughs> I mean, it's not me. Really, it's not me. I sometimes just do some mundane thing and all of a sudden, boom, inspiration. And if you take that inspiration, you can write 40 pages, 40 word pages in one day, in one sitting. But for me, that's how it's done. It's the only way to do things, to get inspired, to get triggered by all those buzzings and go with it. Go with it and, and write, 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 write until you can't sit down no, anymore. And then you'll, you'll figure out what we, we will do with the raw material, but if you don't put them on paper, ASAP, the story will just, you'll draw a blank. It will vanish. Boom. It's here and now it's not. <laughs> and if you don't do that, how, God knows how many days you will spend trying to regain some sort of composure in order to focus and to get something, to squeeze a little bit of the intense passion the intense inspiration that hit you a few days ago, but you didn't take because you were too 
absorbed in something else. So yeah, in order to write a book and to make it make it come to the light as fast as humanly possible, you have to to give yourself the time and the space to be inspired and to use everything that you got. If you don't use it as soon as your inspiration comes, I, I swear it can take days, it can take months until you get something else something new. I think that's a lesson in gratitude. So when you get inspired, you say, thank you, God, I'm going to write. You go write, you pour on the paper and pour and pour and pour until you, you're drained. And you forget about drinking, you forget about eating, you forget about smoking, you forget about going to the toilet, you forget about the fact that your legs are numb from sitting down, you forget about phone calls and people and everything. You are totally connected to your, your pages and your story. It's like a very long meditation. And once you get there, it's amazing. You're in the zone. And this is what happens with artists. When they are in the zone, God forbid that you disturb them. Because if you disturb them, you will feel the wrath of the artist. It doesn't matter if it's a painter or a musician or a writer or a sculptor or any other art. If you stop them from doing what they have to do, using the inspiration, the divine inspiration to create, they will bite your head off. And that's, that's true for me as well. You cannot interrupt me when I'm writing. You cannot, because if you do, oh, rah,
My book of poems is called Gratefully Disoriented. It has a special name like every single other book. It's a little bit kooky. Why not? I mean, it depends on the state of mind. I don't know how it is. I have a favorite poem in there. The rest I don't even remember. I just wrote them. I found them amazing and published them and so... Amazon, here I come. Yeah, one of the places where I have published the books was on Amazon. Why not? Kindle edition. It was liberating because I discovered that I could write in another language other than, than French. Of course, I could write in Romanian as well. I have translated a couple of books in Romanian, but... My language of choice when it came to writing books, writing literature, was French because I was so imbibed with with French literature and I've learned about writing and about creating um, beautiful stories in French. So it came naturally, it was what was supposed to happen, but... Then again, I thought, yeah, you know, people were asking me, oh, you write books, I want to read them, and I say, yeah, and they're in French. They were taken aback, oh, I don't know French, so what should we do, spend time translating the books, or create new books? You know, it takes more time to translate a book than to write the book itself. It takes a lot of work, and most of the people who do translations um, don't catch the essence. So one of my books was translated by somebody else, and the other was translated by yours truly because I could not take, you know the transformation of the book. <laughs> it was too much. And it didn't convey the essence. What I meant to convey was not there anymore. And I asked myself, was it the language or was it the person? And I said, okay, let's try to translate. But it takes an inordinate amount of time. It takes a lot of patience because you don't have patience for those menial things when you want to create something new. You're not supposed to waste your talents 
on translations when you can use your talents to write new stories and new stories and new stories on repeat. But I had to do it. I don't regret it. It was another experience. It was good. It was hard. It made me want to cry. It made me want to let it go. It made me want to move on. But at some point I said, okay, you know what? The virtue of a good artist, the virtue of a good professionist, the virtue of any human being is actually to be commitment. It had to be commitment. That is the virtue. Among all the virtues in the world, something that applies to your job, that applies to your art, to your relationships, to everything, it's commitment. Once you start something, you have to see it through. Even if sometimes it gets hard, until the end, when you decide that it's over and done with, you have to stay committed because if you say, oh, I'm going to write a book. Ooh, let's have a cup of coffee. Mm. Perfect. And then, oh, let's get on Facebook. And then, oh, let's go out with friends. And then, oh, let's take a shower. Oh, let's go to sleep. Yada, yada, yada. If you're not committed to these, don't even start. You're wasting your time. You will have 10 manuscripts, 10 unfinished stories that you will never publish, that will never see the light of day, and that you will find boring and uninteresting by the time you go back to them some point in your life when you have nothing to do and you're bored to death because there's no more interest in Facebook, no more interest in going out with friends, no more interest in anything. You cannot sleep anymore because you're restless and so on. So if you really want to write a book, start it and finish it, stay committed to it, sweat it, cry over it, fight with yourself, let yourself go. Yeah, basically you have to bleed, sweat and cry and make it happen, no matter what it costs, no matter what it costs you to, to do it. If you're really, really, really passionate about your book and your story, if you really want to share that story with someone, if you really, really want that book to, to exist in a book form. And it's not about selling because, hey, some people sell, some people don't sell. Some people are famous, some other people are not. Some people have a beautiful, beautiful backup team that uh, promotes, manages, and does all the work for you. But sometimes you don't go there because it's not your path. You just write the book, you let it be, and whoever bumps into your book while they're searching for something else gets a surprise. 
and their lives will be changed by your story if it's really a good story and you have done all the work that I have been talking about in this episode but you need to dig deeper and if you're not a deep person mm, I don't know you have to be honest you have to be raw you have to be open you have to be deep to dig deep 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 inside go deeper and deeper and deeper until you you have found gold you have tapped into your true self until then everything that you will put on paper will just be nonsense and it will stay the story of the i don't know what the three little pigs you can write a story about three little pigs without digging into anything and sometimes the story the real story with three little pigs is deeper than what you can manage to write of your own if you don't go there so you have to go there it's more intense than going to a um, shrink it's more intense than spending time doing hypnosis it's very, very deep. And I know that I have used that word a lot in this segment, but that's the foundation. That's where you have to go. If you really want to be authentic, organic. If you really want your story to be something something else it's not better than any other story but it's something else that's what we are we are aiming for to to do something else to express our unique inner life through words if you don't have an inner life expressed, manifested, open to the others, you'll just, you'll just stick like a sore thumb and float to the surface of things. But nobody has time. Nobody wants, needs the little floaty things, you know. Marshmallows are good, but they are good in a certain context. And when we are talking about literature, you cannot do marshmallows without the cocoa, you know. Marshmallows are just a part of it, but the deep taste the deep flavor that you're really looking for is the cocoa no matter how much you like marshmallows 
If you don't have a cocoa, the marshmallows are just things that are sticking to your teeth, that are too sweet and are not really relevant without the cocoa for your taste buds. They just aren't relevant to your taste buds in that capacity. So you need to pair them with a cocoa. And so the deep aroma, the deep perfume, the deep taste of mm, yumminess is all in the cocoa. That's what people want to read. They want to read about the cocoa. They don't want to read about your marshmallows. <sighs> I wish more writers would get that. There will be there would be less books sold on the market nowadays. But the stories would have a deeper, more profound impact on the readers. You know, there are some stories that stick with you for a lifetime. Other stories are just nothing. Nada, niente. Rien. Nimic. Just marshmallows. How much marshmallows? How many mar marshmallows, sorry. How many marshmallows are you willing to ingest before saying no more? My bet is that not many.
je te parlerai de ces amants-là qui ont vu deux fois leur cœur s'embraser. Je te raconterai l'histoire de ce roi mort, de n'avoir pas pu te rencontrer. Ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas. On a vu souvent rejaillir le feu de l'ancien volcan qu'on croyait. Des terres brûlées donnant plus de blé qu'un meilleur avril. Et combien le soir pour qu'un ciel flamboie, le rouge et le noir ne s'épousent-ils pas, ne me quittent pas, ne me quittent pas, ne me quittent pas. Je me cacherai là à te regarder danser, sourire, à t'écouter, chanter, rire. Laisse-moi devenir l'ombre de ton ombre, l'ombre de ta main. You know, I've been sitting on this little wooden chair trying to paint. <laughs> I thought that I was meant to paint today. And then all of a sudden I get this inspiration that I should talk about books, about writing books. And I have been sitting here for the past couple of hours on this painful little wooden chair. My behind is sore and I haven't painted a dot, a blob, anything. No painting at all because I was supposed to talk today about writing, about one of my passions and I got passionate about talking about <laughs> writing. So that's commitment, that's dedication. That's how you do it. You sit on a wooden chair that hurts your butt for hours and hours on end. You don't go to the toilet, you don't eat, you don't drink, you don't do absolutely anything or if you have things at hand you can eat and drink but 
you'll be completely absent from what you're doing because you'd be very much absorbed by the artsmanship, whatever you're creating. And you don't let go until it's time to say goodbye and move on to another story or another piece of art. You don't just leave your artwork sitting there for days. It's very important to remember that when you have the inspiration, you sit down and don't move from that chair. It can rain, it can be beautiful outside, people can be calling, I don't care. That's commitment. When you say that you're going to do it, you do it. Because if you don't do it when your inspiration strikes, poof, it's gone. And it won't come back. Even when I want to create a new podcast, a new episode, if I don't have inspiration, I won't do it. Why would I do that? I mean, why would I start a podcast? Why would I start an episode if I had absolutely nothing to say? But if I have the inspiration to say something, if I get inspired by other people, by conversations, by, by what happens around me, then yeah, I must sit down, no matter how long it takes, and just get the words out. Because I have something to share. I've been inspired. I received some magical inspiration from my muses. If you don't do that when the inspiration strikes, yeah, I repeat that. Poof, it's gone. And sometimes it doesn't come back for years. Think about that.
et je m'en fous de dire que les méchants c'est pas nous. Si moi je suis barge, ce n'est que de tes yeux, car ils ont l'avantage d'être deux. Et entendre ton rire s'envoler aussi haut, s'envolent les cris des oiseaux. Te raconter enfin qu'il faut aimer la vie, l'aimer même aussi. Le temps est assassin et emporte avec lui les rires des enfants. Mistral gagnant, Mistral gagnant. So, how does this work, guys? Well, I don't know. I found out that I was able to write a lot ever since I went to school. They were asking for one page and I was writing and writing and it was hard for me to make it short because I had so much to say. And I had to learn how to make a synthesis of whatever I was writing. But I was never... I was never okay with having to cut my stories in half or make them smaller, shorter, more condensed. If I want to describe something at nauseam, that should be my prerogative to be able to do that. But of course, in school, they want a certain format. And if you don't, if you don't abide by their rules, it's not good. <laughs> So that was challenging. And I learned how to write a lot when I had to write for my diploma, for my master diploma and for my other master diploma. I had to write pages and pages and pages. Wow, it was huge. Like I really had a humongous amount of pages that I had to write. I didn't know what I was going to put inside, but I knew that I had to write like 100 pages of material by the end of that period of time. It was very short. In less than six months, I had to write 100 pages of something that I didn't know yet. I had no clue what I was going to write about. And I had no clue where I was going to get that information and how many references could I find. Because you had to do at least two or three footnotes on each page in order to be relevant, to be correct, to be precise, to be, well, academic. So... Writing academic books or papers, it's something completely different from writing literature. But it's a rigorous system that teaches you to commit. There's no way out. So, yeah, one of the ways that you can learn how to get committed to your work is when you want that diploma and you have to write in order to finish 
four years of college or two years of master's. In order to get that diploma, you had to, to write 100 pages. Or so help you God, you had to repeat the year. <laughs> I'm not going through that again, I said to myself. Really, it was a very stressful time. Because we, all, we had to deliver that paper, but we also had to pass an exam to attest that we really have learned something from four years of college. So we had all the materials for from the four years of college that we had to reread again, or read if we hadn't, and pass a test, an exam. That was draining. I wouldn't go there anymore. Like, <laughs> you have to to be a certain age to have that fresh mind and still be able to function after learning for so many hours on end. So if you don't do it in time, it's hard to get there. That's for sure. There are colleges that are softer on you. They have other techniques, other methods. You earn your brownie points by doing regular work and in the end you're done and over with. But the Romanian system is a very rigorous one, or at least it was when I was a student. The French one as well. Oh, wow, they are tight. Very, very tight. You don't get away. <laughs> And they say everybody can go to college in France, but not everybody can get out of college. That means that you can go, everybody can go, it's free, you only pay the tax of subscription. But not everybody can finish because the load of work is intense and their um, requirements are even more intense. So don't be fooled by the people who say, oh, okay, so you went to college, so yeah, you have a master's degree or two master's degrees or a PhD. Wow, I'm not impressed. Oh, you should be impressed. You should definitely be impressed because that was hard intellectual work. Hard work, sweat, tears, and blood. All that. And it was not about writing a paper at the end. It was the whole shebang. The whole shebang. It's not easy. It's so much easier to sit on your, on your butt and sell tomatoes. So much easier. Cultivating tomatoes, grabbing them, selling them. All the process cannot compare to the, the drilling that you get from a proper university. It's not easy. It's like doing the work for the army or for the Navy SEALs or for the aviation or whatever. It's like in the army. 
yeah guys you go and it's the army of your mind <laughs> instead of running and um, using tactics and fighting and using guns and stuff whatever they do because i have never been in the army but i have uh, listened to stories about it well instead of doing the physical work the hard work which is also mental because you cannot go fight if you are not strong enough to go through all this process training process and well when you arrive on the site i'm sure that it's something completely different it's like when you go to school and then you go into the real life and you are told that whatever you have learned in school ha now you have to learn how to do it not only the theory well that's that but it's painful so there's a little comparison but they're not the same don't get me wrong i have all the respect in the world for all the people that serve their country and i would never ever diminish anything that they do from the first day as a soldier or a recruit until the end it's a tremendous job and it takes a lot and not many people have that in them it's the same for the people who go to the university not everybody has it in inside if you're not the kind of person to commit to the work you're done and over with both the university and the army and I have I have friends that can attest to that I'm not the only one having had this experience. So when you are writing books, you are kind of writing a paperwork. But you talk about what you know and what you have learned in life, not about what you know and have studied for. Or maybe you can do both. Most of the time you do both because if you don't have the, the tools, the language tools, the literary tools in order to write a book. Yeah, fluff, marshmallows. <laughs> oh, so that's that. Je te connais à 
peine, mais ce serait une veine qu'on s'en aille un peu comme On pourrait se faire sans que ça gêne de la place pour deux, mais si ça ne vaut pas la peine que j'y revienne, il faut mal dire au fond des yeux. Quel que soit le temps que ça prenne, quel que soit l'enjeu, je veux être un homme heureux. Pourquoi les gens qui s'aiment sont-ils toujours un peu rebelles Ils ont un monde à eux que rien n'oblige à ressembler à ceux. That was Make It Count, folks. This is Ilinka, your host. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that helped. And if you enjoyed it and usually enjoy Make It Count, thank you for supporting and for donating on Facebook and on my webpage. Until next time, ta-da, get inspired! <laughs>